0: Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this study uh, through Ephesians. This is uh, one of those letters that just has a uh, a special place in my heart. There is so much here between uh, doctrine and practice. And so, Father, as we just begin this section of entering into the the, the, the practicing of our faith section, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand what is said in this passage, that you would help us to understand uh, how it uh, relates to our own lives. And so, Father, I pray for each person here, uh, wherever each finds himself on their journey with you. If there are people here who don't know you as Savior, I pray that you would help them to to, to move forward in their journey to the place uh, where they can reach out by faith and just trust you as Lord and Savior. And for those of us who have Trusted in you, I pray that you would uh, grow our faith, Lord. Help us um, just to, to yield our lives to you. To allow us to um, to really surrender ourselves to you, to be used by you. Uh, your word tells us that you have gifted each one uh, with a gift for the purpose of of the body, and so I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, uh, that knows you as Savior, uh, to walk with you obediently and and to use, to exercise, to practice. Uh, the gift or gifts that you have given us uh, for the benefit and uh, contribution of of our body. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, so (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led... Captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean, except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And Father, we do uh, just thank you uh, for this day, uh, we thank you for this word. We ask that you would lead us and guide us now. And it's in Christ's good name, I pray. Amen. Alright, so now we're getting to sort of, uh, the inner workings of the church, the local church. The Bible begins. Paul writes in, in large part about, uh, you know, this, this thing that we do on Sundays, you know, in the, the world or maybe it, sometimes in our thinking, we tend to think that, that church is sort of like, this location, the building, the property, um, and, and it gets a little bit confusing. So when we look at the, the idea of church, I think it's always important to go back to to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Uh, we find ourselves in this section sort of towards the the uh, nearing the end or like the, that's nice. I like the ringer, so I don't know. It's happened to all of us. It's like, but that was like catchy. Um, it's good. It wasn't abrasive or anything. It's not like a. Um, so as Matthew's kind of moving along, they're kind of in their training process. They're they're reaching this sort of tipping point, and Jesus takes uh, the disciples up to the northeast part of uh, Israel to a to a location known as Caesarea Philippi. This is one of the the springs that feeds the Galilee River. It was a place of uh, super pagan worship. It would have been really crowded. If you go there today, you can just see this cliff with all of the engravings of of, uh, uh, just overwhelming pagan worship. And in this location, Jesus begins to, to ask the disciples, like, who do people say that I am? And they all begin to kind of give their answers. And and then Jesus sort of says like, hey, hey, you know, well, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the one that was prophesied. And Jesus said, you're absolutely correct. And then he goes on to say that upon that statement, not, not Peter, but on this, the, the statement that he made about Jesus, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so there's a couple things here. So at this time, it's sort of Jesus says something in the future tense. So the church didn't exist at that moment. He says this church will come, and when the church comes, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And it's, it would be very easy for us to read this, and I think sometimes to, to think that the, the gates of Hades is this offensive weapon coming after uh, Jesus' sort of organization, and that it's that Jesus is going to create this organization that's so secure and so defensive that that Satan himself cannot penetrate it. But the reality is, is a gate or a city gate. That's the defensive weapon. And so he says, "I'm going to build my church." Think offensive weapon, and the the church is to to go out and to be and to exist. And the work that Satan is doing, uh, his gates will not be able to contain the work of Christ in this earth. And so. Future tense. We fast forward to Ephesians. Obviously, like I know I skip, I'm skipping a whole lot of parts in the Bible, but basically Jesus dies. He uh, raises from the dead. Time goes on. He ascends into heaven. They're waiting in Acts chapter 2, what we know is sort of Pentecost. Then the Spirit of God descends on them, fills these believers with the Spirit of God, and the church is actually formed. Um, and so the church is forming it it fills the city of Jerusalem. Persecution happens. It causes the church to to spread out, uh, and then it goes to uh, Judea and Samaria, and then it fills that location, and then more persecution comes, and then it goes to the outermost parts of the earth. Through this persecution, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, sort of springs up in the persecution. He ultimately meets Jesus face to face, and. He is converted, and then God commissions Paul to be this advocate, uh, this person that would be used uh, for the reaching of the Gentiles, and really uh, writing uh, what we we have in the New Testament, sort of on how the church is to function, what is the purpose of the church that that in Matthew was to come and now is, and so in Ephesians chapter three, verse ten. Paul, in the doctrine section, he writes this, he says, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities and the heavenly places. So he gives all of this doctrine. And then he says that the the purpose of the church is to be a light unto the world for the gospel, to the the highest places, to 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 the rulers, the kings, Everybody, it from the highest of highs on the earth to the lowest of lows, the gospel will penetrate everywhere and that's the purpose of, of the church. So the point, Jesus established the church and one thing that I haven't commented on when we say we think about the building, every time that I talk about the church, I'm not talking about a a, a church building, I'm not talking about necessarily like a, a like a legal structure of an, organiza- of an organization. The, the church is those of us who have given our lives to Christ. The church are the people of God. The the building could burn down. This this building could burn down overnight. And then next Sunday we go, well, we as a church have to figure out how we're going to meet. And it could be we're down in the field and just like with bring your lawn chairs. Like it's like the church isn't the building. The building is the place that the church uses for things that we do around here. But it's super easy for us in our culture to sort of connect the church as like a structure, a building, an organization, a business, or whatever it is. But the church is you and me, and 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 we are the church. And if we're the church, we are we are His, and we are to look to Him to guide us and to lead us in how we we go about our lives. And He has a plan for us. He has a plan for how the church is to operate uh, within the church. He's given certain gifts and personalities and things to be used for the benefit of the church and for his, his glory. And today in this section, it really begins to sort of shed light on how we're to function within the church. The movie that we we showed here on Friday night, like I really liked the movie. Um, I mean, the movie was great. I liked what it did within my heart. Um, Uh, because it was, it was, you know, both. I've seen now. I've seen it twice, and both times I'm like, they're getting like emotional throughout the movie, uh, like to the point where you like, like, I mean, it's like you, you know, there's a the point where a guy or I say everybody. I'm to be judgmental, but for me, it's like when you get a little, your eyes get a little watery, and you can blink really, really fast, and then you can kind of like stop. The water from dropping and then it's like then it, like the, the the dam breaks you know and it's it's like i was like oh man like i sat in front and people were watching and and uh and then anna started texting and so the movie was very like i i found it really special because <clears throat> it it was sort of like a reminder of me and my journey of where i was with christ or in with christ um like so, part of part of, the, part of the movie, I super identify with like young Greg Laurie, who was like not really interested in God and doing his own thing. Uh, like I lived that. I was in opposition to God. I, I didn't want anything to do with the church. And then I so like made a mess of things that then I began to sort of check out the church. And then as I began to check out the church, and I gave my life to Christ. Then I started walking with him, not perfectly, and I kind of reached different stages. And there's young Greg Laurie. Like, he goes into this one church teaching the kids, and then he gets kind of fired. And it's like, well, it's just like so much of this I identify with. And then, And then it's like, then there's like the whole theme of Chuck Smith. It's like, well, now I'm like the old guy that's been a pastor for 20 years. And so there's like a lot that I identify on that end of the spectrum as well. But at the end of the day, it was like, it's just this like, it was like a, like, a, like a glass of cool water on a hot day just kind of reminding me that, that God is at work and moving in my life and in our lives, and he is doing stuff. And, and so if there's anything from this passage, like if you walk away from here today, I want you to understand that like, God cares about you. And that if you're his child and you've given your life to him, he has given you a gift to, to, to serve for the purpose within the church. And you're supposed to participate. Like, like we as a, as a family are supposed to participate with one another. And so we get to verse 7. And he says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So this verse seven verses, like the next couple of verses get a little uh, complicated, difficult. Um, I think they're difficult, and then because they're difficult, there's like a handful of different uh, it's very easy to get lost in the weeds trying to figure out what Paul's trying to say. And if we get too lost in the weeds, we, we lose like, the, the broader brushstroke of what's happening within the section. And so I think verse seven, we have to really make sure we we kind of you know screw this onto our foreheads into our minds so we know that this is the context. so each one of us, those who have given their lives to Christ, those who are Christians, grace was given, so we received grace, it was given to us according to the measure of christ 's gift that Jesus gave a gift like in the context right now, so far he 's talking about this measure of grace that was given to us. Um, this verse sort of carries with it the the picture of of a king who had conquered a people and so when they when they con- when they'd gone to war and the victorious king as they uh, conquered, they gathered up all of the possessions and then there was like this huge procession and then, as the procession went out, they would give gifts to their people uh sort of following the war and so this 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 section sort of carries that picture with it that Jesus conquered death and then he begins to give out these gifts first peter says this first peter first five, chapter 5 verse 4 says that when the chief shepherd appears that's Jesus you will receive the unfading unfa- crown of glory. And so there's this, there's just this like triumphant king, this picture of this king going out, passing out gifts to his people. He goes into verse 8. Verse 8, he's going to reference Psalm 68, like he's going to take all of Psalm 68, and he's going to boil it down to like one sentence, and then he's going to sort of unpack it, and that's the confusing section. So verse 8 says, therefore it, it is Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, the New American Standard, I don't know about all the standards, but a lot of times they'll put like a parenthesis around uh, verses 9 through verse 10, sort of indicating that this is a parenthetical thought of Paul as he writes. And it says, now this, ex, this expression, he ascended. Okay, so he's saying, okay, he's, he's locking into like one word, or uh, the, I, it's, it's not one word, it's a phrase. Now this expression, he ascended. So if we go back to verse 8, we see when he ascended. So Paul wants to talk about this ascension of, of this he mentioned in verse 8. So he says, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. So this question, uh, ascended is going to be mentioned a couple times in these verses, and descended is going to be mentioned a couple times uh, in this passage. I had it mapped out the various different possibilities, and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to confuse everybody. Um, But in the Greek, so I'm going to kind of confuse you all, (laughs) I've now deleted my notes of what it means. Now I'm just going off my memory of kind of like the... But but where, where people look at this verse and they say, okay, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. And that word of in the Greek, it can be understood in three different ways. And so based on how you understand it, there's a whole bunch of different sort of conclusions that people reach. I think part of the reason that I uh, deleted it is I didn't want to take a dogmatic stance on any one of the positions. And so th- there's, some, there's some variety of answers, but I'm going to sort of move along. But there's this picture that he ascended, but he also descended to the lower part of earth, whatever that means. Whether that just means that Jesus stepped out in heaven, whether he's referencing Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection of conquering uh, sin and death, or whether that means that he descended into Hades and to hell. So there's, those are like the three options. I, I don't really want to get lost in the weeds with that, um, but he references this. And he says, He who descended is himself also who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. And so I think that the, the the big picture here, without getting lost in the weeds of those three different options, I don't think it really matters. Like like wherever you want to land is fine with me. Um, there's this picture that Jesus is God. He he descended so, to some level. Like whatever Paul was meaning, then when you get to heaven, you can talk to Paul about this, and you can ask him your questions, see if you're right or wrong. Uh, but the point is, he was God in heaven. He came down to earth, and then now he's up high again. And this all happened so that he might fulfill all things. That the things that were prophesied about the, the, what God was going to do in human history as it related to, to sin and separation from God, that through Christ's work of coming to earth, dying, and then raising again, he accomplished what God had intended. Now on this, there's a quote or a passage, a teaching from a, from a commentary exalting Jesus in Ephesians, I thought that he wrote a paragraph that was, that was quite good and worthy of reading here. So in verses 9 through 10, which function like a parenthesis, Paul speaks of Christ's descent and ascent. Paul sees the incarnation, descent, and the ascension of Christ as evidence that Christ the Savior, that Christ is Savior and King. Therefore, Christ is now our ascended Lord. He came all the way down as Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 state, and has now gone all the way up as Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 state. Christ is above all. Christ fills all. Christ gives gifts to all. Marvel at his generosity and authority. And I think that that is sort of the, the thrust of this passage Conquering king, giving out gifts, and we're thinking like Christmas, oh, what cool cool gift do I have to open? And that's not necessarily what I think he's talking about. He's speaking of like equipping us for the work of ministry, that he's gifted you in a way that you have a capacity to serve him that apart from the Spirit of God, you would be unable to do. And so we get to verse 11, and he's going to start talking about this, this gifting, And he begins with sort of the structure of the church, the leadership that he has placed uh, over uh, his followers. And we read here that he, that's Jesus, gave some, not all, some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And so we're told here that in his gifting as he departed, he 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 gave these gifts uh, that would equip individuals to function as leaders within the body of Christ. And so, what he lists here, uh, without getting into like some of these words, I think have been sort of uh, confused by modern day groups. Um, apostles, if you're talking with an a capital A. Uh, there, there is no more apostles for an Acts. We're told that this had to be people who like walked and served and uh, in the midst of of Jesus's life. The, these are the guys who wrote the Bible. But if you're talking apostles in like the lowercase a, the, these are individuals sent ones, uh, people who feel called to to really to go out and to proclaim. Uh, the good news to a lost world. Um, Prophets, these are uh, people who serve as a a voice of God to people. I think oftentimes these people are people who bring about uh, confronting people with the truth uh, so that they are convicted by the Spirit, ultimately surrendering their lives to God. And I think there's a whole lot of overlap in all these. As we get into evangelists, there are evangelists who just have this heart to talk and to debate and to minister and to care for those who who don't know Jesus. Now, we're all called to be evangelists, as we read in 1 Timothy, um, but there are people who are just, like, gifted, and they just have a heart. I am not one of these people, but there are people, it's like, wherever you go, they're just, like, chitter-chattering with people and, like, tying everything around to their lostness and their need for Christ. It's amazing. Like the people who have this gift, I, 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 I love their heart and their ability. Um, and then we come to pastor or pastor and teacher, and these are uh, shepherds who who teach uh, and lead the body of Christ. So we have this this sort of this, this structure of leadership within the body of Christ, and then we get to the why. Like why do these people exist. And so then you come to verse twelve. And so those people that were listed just previously, the reason that they exist is for the equipping of the saints. Now as a as a former Catholic I just always have to point out that saint doesn't mean that after your death you perform a couple miracles and then after a body meets together then they they sort of license those who are saints or not saints. When the Bible speaks of saints, saints are simply those who have given their lives to Christ, who are set apart from God, the holy ones. So if you're a Christian, you're a saint. Um, Equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of, of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we see that there's this, the, the, the role of these titles, they exist to equip the saints. So I see, I, so I see obviously, pastor, teacher, like our hopefully that that's what I, my gifting is or we're all in trouble. Um, like m- m- my, my role here is to teach the word of God so that the word of God goes out and the Spirit of God receives it within your heart, and then he begins to work and move in your life so that you are equipped to then function in whatever way that God has called you to, to, to serve for the purpose of works of service. Um, remember back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that, that Jesus has prepared beforehand good works for us to do in Christ. And so we're supposed to be doing them. And the, the 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 purpose of these works of service is the building up of the body of Christ until we attain unity of the faith. So this is it's just this really beautiful picture. I remember one of the very first churches that I was involved in. Maybe it was the second one. Um, they they immediately got T-shirts, and on the back of the T-shirt it was it said, "Every member a minister," and. The T-shirt was really cool because we sort of think that like the the ministers are, are, are the guys who are like getting paid in this position to do this job. And if you want to do stuff, oh, you just call him up and you have him do that. But the Bible, that's not what the Bible describes. The Bible describes that the, the role of the person in this position is to equip you all to be ministers so that you can be out serving and doing what God has called you to do. That you you all, all we all are ministers. Um, I've said it like, I'm in, I'm in ministry because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. So the reason I serve and I do stuff and I, and I, I, I try to live my life in a way that's pleasing to God and the, the things that I do, I'm not doing them because I'm a pastor. I'm doing them because I'm a child of God and I want to honor my Lord and King with my life and He has called us to do things in His service. Now now I I confess I don't think I was the greatest Christian and so God made me a pastor so that I would learn how to be a Christian like I like I say I say that in all seriousness like I I've done stuff that like I've responded to things because I'm a pastor but then over the course of years like doing this I re- I've learned like I have the opportunity to do this as a pastor but the reality is I'm doing this because I'm a follower of Christ, not because I'm a pastor. I'm just slow. So God had to do things differently with me to teach me what it meant to follow him. Christ has given you a gift. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we read, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So I know this to be true, that if you've given your life to Christ and you're a child of God and you're a Christian, you have a gift. What I wish is that it was like a fortune cookie, that you, when you became a Christian, you were given a little fortune cookie, you open up and you're like, oh, this is my gift. Okay, like that's not how it works. So I have no idea what your gift is. Some of you, I have a, gr- a very good idea of what your gift is because I see things happening within your life. And so like, I don't know what your gift is, but what I know is that you have a gift and I know that I have a responsibility to you to help you discover your gift. And I heard my father-in-law, because he was one of the very first pastors that I had over me early in my life, is that what he's kind of like well-known for saying is like you can't steer a parked car. And so whatever your gift is, you sitting around twiddling your thumbs going, well, I'm just going to just sit here and watch the news until I figure out like what my gift is. That's not how it works. You don't know how your gift is? Well, volunteer for something like start Passing out bulletins, or if Robert will let you, if you can, if you can get through, if you can, if you can pass his. He takes it very seriously. But if you can pass his uh his screening, or like volunteer, like we're having summer nights. It's like you can come, you can serve, you can participate, you can do things, you can clean up after service, you can straighten up chairs, you can do like whatever it. Just start doing something, and then as you're doing something, you'll you'll end up somewhere. Serving in some capacity that you'll discover. You could start out by greeting people's hands and then end up as a pastor. That's what happened to me. But for you, it, like th- that's that's not the path for everybody. Like it, it could be that you're called to just help people feel comfortable. You're called to like bless and encourage children, or teach a Bible study, or you you just want to encourage the missionaries around the field. And so you take it upon yourself so that. You know, on a weekly basis, you're just shooting an email or a text or something to the missionary saying, Hey, I'm praying for you. You could have the gift of prayer, you could have the gift of service, and you just want to serve and just just do it. Like and I and I'd love that our church does this. Like like uh, there's so many things that that are happening that I'm just not a part of. Because the Spirit of God is moving within the church and the, the Spirit of God doesn't need my permission to kind of like do stuff, you know, like, um, and so, like, I'm just deeply grateful for how the Spirit of God is working within our our body, and and my prayer is that if you're feeling like I'm supposed to be doing something, like I'm not, I'm not going to have like just something to do because I don't just force people into spots. But if you're really feeling like God is calling you to do something, well, I'm going to do whatever I can do to help you live out the calling because that's why. I, I exist. That's, that's my role in this position. And so he also says to the, um, kind of getting back here in the same, to, to the mature man, to the measure of stature of belong, mm-hmm. where is it at? Um, till we attain the unity of the faith. So this is, this is unity within us that we are unified in our, in our mission towards the end of bringing glory to Christ. This is not uniformity where we have to all dress the same, speak the same, be involved in the same thing, there's going to be a whole lot of uh, variance amongst the body of Christ. And and in large respect, the variance is a beautiful thing. When you have people from very different social economic backgrounds, uh, different shades of uh, the color of their skin, their various upbringings, um, but all unified over, like, this is why I live and exist. This is what we are called to do. It's a it's a beautiful thing. And so we continue to verse 14. As a result, because of this work, because of these giftings, because of the equipping of the saints to do these things, as the body functions, as Christ has intended the body to function, as a result... <clears throat> We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and and deceitful scheming that were to be grounded. That that this is, this is why I don't preach topically. I don't even know what I would preach on if I was topically. Like I, I can't even imagine my world being that place where I had to come up with a topic every week, um, I don't. I don't. I, I. I like. I just can't. Um, like we we go through the Bible. We go. We go through a book of the Bible, and we allow God to lead us and to guide us. And as we go through the Bible, as we study it, book by book, sort of phrase by phrase, word by word, kind of going through, we become grounded. We we have a, a better understanding of the truth of God. Um like whenever i whenever i see this phrase i think back you know like i i know that if you've been here a while you hear a lot of the same stories <clears throat> but i like going through seminary like i didn't care about cults i didn't care about that stuff like that's not why i was there but the other people were like they there were definitely people who did care about that stuff and and so some some guy in the class like asked the professor like hey like how do, like what should i study to like Get be better equipped to, uh, to debate and go after whatever, like whatever the flavor of the day was, like a non-evangelical uh, sort of belief system. And I, the, the professor's response to me was like fascinating. He's like, listen, like you study grace, like be in the Bible, like know and understand what grace is. Understand what the scriptures say. You don't have to study their doctrine. If you're in the Word of God, then as you're talking to whoever, like every other religion and group that's outside of Orthodox Christianity, they're going to infringe on grace. So you don't need to study what they believe, just know grace. Understand what the gospel is with clarity. Because when you see a counterfeit, you'll know it. You need to know the original. (laughs) And so this is what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be to be grounded, to be, to be in the word, to not not be trait like there's all sorts fads come and go, and Christians are terrible about like, like whatever the latest flavor of the day is, like they get caught up in stuff. We should have a passion for the word of God and studying it and reading it and knowing it and putting it into our hearts. Because in whatever the world throws at us, if you have the word of God within you, you'll be grounded. He goes on to say in verse 15, sort of the the concluding, sort of like about community, I believe, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up Of itself in love, and so what we see here is as this is all happening, there's going to be there's going to be things that are happening within the body of Christ. Individuals who are the church, we grow, we mature, we sort of evolve to become more like Christ in our lives. And when I read this verse, I think of that sort of at the end of Hebrews, there's sort of this admonition of the church to to really. serve and get along with one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, we read, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, stability, groundedness. For he, that's Jesus, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And this word in the Greek is to really like, I don't even want to say it, but like to kick each other in the rear. To like, I mean, it's like aggressive, like that, that, that we should be coming here to really actively trying to encourage one another to, to take our faith seriously and to live it out and to understand that God has placed you where he's placed you with a strategic end in mind. And we're not to take that lightly. And so when we come together, we're supposed to be encouraging one another that, hey, it's not just work where your boss is driving you crazy. You're there as a, as a, as a light for him and recognize. The value of where he has placed you and serve him in that way. So we're to stimulate one another, to to kick each other in the pants is how I read it, to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as as the habit of some. Our gathering on a weekly basis and through the week, like in our home, not just at church on Sunday, I see there's like, not when the church gathers on Sundays this time is important. It's valuable where we worship through singing. We we worship through studying of the word. We worship through fellowshipping with one another. Satan is going to try to give you all sorts of reasons why it's okay to miss on a Sunday. And I'm not being legalistic about being here, but our gathering, at least on a weekly basis, is God's design for the church. And then as we gather we don't just see each other on Sunday. Like ideally, like we actually have relationships and then we're involved in people's lives. And as a pastor, I'm super blessed when I hear not to call Jim out, but like they were supposed to be on vacation, but Jim kind of got hurt. So pray for his healing. And then he's back here. Not, he wants to be fishing right now, right? That's where he was supposed to be. He's supposed to be fishing. I'm happy wearing- <laughs> he's happy where wearing- he's at. But so I'm in Costco and I see one of the old guys they're like, you hear about Jim? I'm like, no, I didn't hear anything. What do you mean? he's on vacation. He's like, no, no, no. He tried to do something and he got, he hurt his back. I'm like, really? I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. All the old geezers were on top of it. We're going to figure it out. Like, I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And I'm like, oh, I need to call him. I need to follow up. But I keep forgetting, I keep forgetting. And then Anna's like, oh yeah, Jim's back in town. I'm like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, yeah. All the ladies are talking. Uh, and and they just got back in town last night. This all happened. I'm like, wait, I didn't hear about any of this. Like, what? But it's beautiful because the body is like, communi- it's not me pulling the string, it's just the body of Christ coming together and, and living it out. That's how it's supposed to be. And sometimes, you know, speaking the truth in love, this is difficult both to do and to receive. So if you're in a position where you see your brother or sister sort of stumbling and you have to like sort of like confront them in love to say, hey, I see this in your life, I'm concerned about you, That's not easy. And if you're the person receiving it, it's not easy either because we tend to defend ourselves and make excuses and say, oh, no, 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 you're out of bounds. You shouldn't be doing this to me because, uh, you know, like... John Stott says this, which I really like, truth becomes hard if not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. The The apostle calls us to hold the two together. And so my understanding of the church um, was so much of my understanding was formed like by the military and the unit that I was with is very different than a lot of the military um, yesterday I got a text message from a buddy, uh, one of my officers who was at the Dancing Queen incident for those who know the Dancing Queen I don't, I don't, I don't think I have time to tell a Dancing Queen story but it was super embarrassing on my part. We were doing like real-world combat sort of situation. I'm dilly-dallying on the radio at 2 in the morning thinking I was singing to myself, Dancing Queen. But I was broadcasting to the whole fleet. And one of, one of the junior officers was with the admiral on the aircraft carrier in the, the CIC watching us on FLIR, which is, which is infrared, because they're like live-streaming what we're doing, and... Eventually, after like five minutes, when I started not sounding so good, I like realized, like, oh, no, I was just hot-miking to the, everybody. And then I hear, I hear them come out of the radio, but thankfully they called out the boat guys, not me. Hey, one of you guys is hot-miking ABBA. And I was like, oh, man. So we had a long night, and in the, morning, in the morning, when my buddy, who was like the junior officer, they flew him back to the ship. He's like, dude, I know it was you. And 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 so there were two of the officers, one senior, one junior. And the senior one's like, dude, do you need to buy me a bottle of uh, And I'll keep my mouth shut. And I'm like, yes, sir, I'll do that. And then the, the other guy, the more junior guy, he's like, dude, it was hilarious. We're up there, and we can hear you. And you went on forever. And it's like, they like start looking at us, and we're like, we have no idea. And he's like, but then you kept going. And then it's like, guys are kind of tapping their toes, and... So I needed to tell a little bit of the story because yesterday I get this text message and that, uh, that junior officer is uh, he's at a concert and, and Abba's, being I don't think it was Abba, but they were singing that song. And so he does this video of the screen and I can hear Dancing Queen. And then it like zooms back on his face and he just is shaking his head. Like. <laughs> and I was like, hey man, I'm about to go to the East Coast for my dad's funeral, the Academy. And he's an Academy guy. And I'm like, he's like, oh yeah, I'd love to see you. And he's like, oh, you need to reach out to this other guy he's at a very high-ranking place that i'm not gonna like say and he's like oh i'd love to see him. i'm like oh yeah that'd be good and so then i text them and my other buddy who's been in for a long time super high ranking super like in charge of very important units and has a very like uh special place in our in our country right now and i say hey uh i'm gonna be coming out the east coast and and he has seven kids i'm like do you have any recommendations for i'm not asking for recommendations just to be clear um but I said, hey, with seven kids, you got to know the good family-friendly spots. And he's like, oh, yeah, and I'd love to, like, he's like, the academy, just know the academy's 40 minutes from D.C., and I want to, like, come see you. Like, we'll come see you if you can't make it up, and I'd love to give you some private tours of some places. And I'm like, this guy is, like, is about as high as you can go in the military right now. I was, like, a nobody from, like, 24 years ago that I served with. And, and to me, it's like, these are the guys who, like, kind of trained me and I remember, like, the, the story, like, we would be in situations, and when we, we're, like, you're in a combat situation, and you're taking sort of, like, stuff happening. Once you get to sort of a safe spot, everybody sort of, like, gathers really quickly, and there's a quick going around saying, are you okay, which meant, are you hurt physically? And number two, do you have ammunition? And so if you were hurt then they were going to patch you up as best you could. And if you were out of ammunition and other guys had ammunition, then we would sort of balance out the ammunition, and then we would go very, very quickly. And so in that moment with these guys, this is my understanding of what this is for us. This isn't a place where you come and you put your Sunday best on, and you're just like, oh, yeah, everything's good. Everything's going hunky-dory in my life. Unfortunately, that's so much of Christianity where the local church has become this place where we try to put on our, 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 our facade of like how great I'm doing. And then if we live by that culture, what we become is what Jesus described as whitewalled tombs. This is a place where we're supposed to gather, like encourage one another, how are you doing? I'm not doing good. I had this happen or I have this happen. And this is the place where we gather, we patch each other up, we balance out the stuff so that we can go back into the battle tomorrow or today when you leave here. This isn't a place to be fake. So when I read this, the speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him who's the head of the church, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of every individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We are in this together. We need each other. If you're not here and you're falling away and you're, you're stumbling it's, it's not just about you, it's hurting the body because God has gifted you and equipped you in a certain special way that even if I don't understand what it is, I know that we need you as the body. Like we need whatever it is that you're supposed to be contributing because that's how God set it up. This isn't some place just to come do your hour on Sunday. It's this, this is about community, being connected in, in a real sense, honoring God, encouraging one another in our relationship uh, with him, encouraging one another in our relationship with each other, ultimately so that the world would know that there is a creator who loves them. There's a creator who sent his only son to live the perfect life, to die on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins, so that we might ultimately be reconciled to God. So what do we do with this? Like I think when I look at this passage, the number one thing is we need to remember that Jesus is ahead. Jesus is in his ultimate authority. He is the founder and creator of the church. In his formation, we're told in the Bible that the, that the church, that the church at large, that we have a responsibility toward one another. As a pastor, I certainly have a responsibility to, I'm told in Hebrews that I'm going to give an account for your souls if this is your church. I don't think it's fair, but I didn't write the book. Like I, like. I So the fact that I am going to be accountable for your, you all have individual accountability for your own lives, and you're going to give an account for how you live your lives. I, I, I think what that means is what I'm teaching and what I'm saying, I'm responsible for your souls that you Got the word of God in a sound and clear and understandable way. And I'm going to give an account for the stuff that came out of my mouth before you all. And that's why teaching the Bible is so important because I don't trust myself. And there's a lot of churches that have have gone away from teaching the Bible. And, and, and I'm really sad and worried about those guys when they stand before their creator, but that's, that's their, that's, but as long as I'm the pastor here, the Bible be taught because I feel like there's a responsibility. And if I ever go wacky and start, like you all have a responsibility to do something about it, which is the final point. Like if you're a a part of this church, you have a responsibility to the body. And it's beautiful. It really is a wonderful thing. With that, let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for you are good. We thank you that you... Lord, just in the big picture of humanity falling away, that you established a plan to bring about reconciliation between the world and yourself. We thank you that we as sinners who have been separated from you through our sin, that thanks be to Christ, we have a way to enter back into relationship with you by grace alone. It's not because of anything that we've done. It's through your generous gift to us, and it's activated just by our faith, trusting, believing. And so, Father, I pray that as we have entered into relationship with you, that you would help us, Lord, not to be stagnant, that we would be growing deeper in our relationship with you. We pray that our love and desire for the scriptures would grow day by day. It can be very easy to be overwhelmed by what is being said in them. And so, Father, I ask that this would be a place where the scriptures will be taught in a manner that is clear and enjoyable and understandable, where the truth is proclaimed in a way that it penetrates our hearts so that we would grow and be grounded in your love. Father I pray that you would help us in our relationships with one another to honor you in just everything that we do. Father I pray for each person here Lord that that knows you. Uh, we are told that you have gifted us with at least one gift and so we pray, Father, that you would help each person here uh, to walk with you in a way to serve you to honor you that they would discover if they haven't already. Uh, the gift that they have within them to to be used by you and for the church we thank you for those that are serving and and just are are allowed allowing you to use them uh, lord i know the worship team uh, is coming up and they're behind me lord we are just so blessed by them just week in and week out and i thank you that they uh serve us in this way of worshiping you through music And so as we close now, Lord, I ask that you would help us to sing to you and to honor you with our words, with our hearts, and with our lives. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen.